Well, I'm so excited that you're here to join me for Voice of Breakthrough, this podcast. Podcast. So we are going to hit some powerful topics. Every single week, we will be having a new podcast with a new topic. So get ready. I'm telling you, this is great to exercise to. This is powerful to uh, listen to when you're cleaning your house or cooking at dinner or cutting the grass, which you could turn up loud on your, you know, your, your little iPhone or whatever you have there. Anyway, you're going to love this powerful, life-changing, every single week podcast of Voice of Breakthrough. begin to take he had me study all of history from from the dark ages church history through catholicism through him restoring the church and then he said okay i need you i want you to renounce covering doctrine i want you to renounce where you've ever agreed with it i want you to renounce because i'm not um i'm not, i'm totally a super submissive person. I'm seriously, I was the teacher's pet, everybody. If they said, um, do this, I did it. I messed up, I get messed up grading curves all the time because I studied and I got good grades and, and the teachers all liked me. I was almost the only, the person, every, the people didn't like, the kids didn't like because the teacher knew she's going to sit here. She's going to write the biggest essay. She's going to do all this. I really got into it. I was always somebody who wanted to please, um, Authority. Not in a bad way, in a good way. And so when the Lord decides to make me look like a troublemaker, which I've been called, it's up to him to take care of my reputation. And so anyway, right after that, we start the whole NIH journey, which is another whole story. But in the process of the NIH journey, they had to retest him. And guess what? The covering issue was off of his bones. And now at, from that point on, he never was life and death again. I was hoping it would solve the whole thing, but it didn't. There's a lot of other reasons the church is anemic and the blood doesn't have the power. How many knows there's no problem with the blood of Christ? The problem with that blood of Christ is getting out into the body and doing what it's supposed to do. So it's been a whole prophetic journey that I haven't talked about that much, but in this new wineskin that God's doing, um, he's bringing us to this place where every person is supposed to get hungry for living water. Every person is supposed to want to hear God for themselves. Every person and every person in fivefold ministry leadership is going to be shaken who will not begin to get their hands off of taking the place of God in the life of his people. And the church is so anemic because we've raised up powerful leaders and the people serve them and the people pay their way and the people make it for them to be powerful. But they don't, many of them do not return that to the people because that one doctrine keeps the people disconnected from the headship of Jesus Christ. And we do not follow that wrong doctrine here. And that's one reason some people won't even come and speak here. All right. But how many know God's been faithful? So the woman replies, John 4, 15, let me drink that water so I'll never be thirsty again and won't have to come back here to draw water. Jesus said, now I want you to see this about true evangelism because let me tell you something. True evangelism is going to need the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Because look what Jesus does. He says to her, go get your husband and bring him back here. 
Well, most people would say, aha, he missed it because she's not married. Oh, he missed it. Because she says, but I'm not married. And Jesus says, that's true. Well, what might I say? Well, how prophetic is that? Of course, now you could say it's true because she just told you. How many know Jesus did not mind being criticized? He did not mind you questioning who he is. How many know we're going to get free, 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 free from trying to prove anything? And that's been something I've had to really work on by yielding to Holy Spirit. I think this is amazing. The woman didn't automatically turn off and quit listening to him. I believe there's a lot of people who aren't listening to some true prophets right now because of some things they prophesied that actually were true, are true, and yet they begin to add to it and try to prove it and try to and, and market it and make big names for themselves on it. And all of that stuff, guess what? God couldn't honor. But the actual beginning of seeing that was God. Also, how many are glad that there's a people who are holding on to that something went really, really wrong in 2020? And there are many political, there are many biblical voices out there who've been ringing, ringing this true. And whether we like how they've done it or not, isn't really our business. That God has had a people who will stand up to the pressure and everything else and say what God says no matter what. And everybody's going to find out that they were right, except in their predicting the timing and the how God was going to do it in its year preaching. All right, I think we're going to find it out sooner than later at this point. So the lady says, I'm not married, the woman said. And then the Lord says, that's true. For you've been married. Now he jumps in there. I love this. Part of that was, is she still going to listen to him? He just seemed to have missed it. And all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit begins to give him revelation knowledge, to, to, which revelation knowledge is things he could not know as a human being, okay? Things he could not know as a human being, the Holy Spirit began to pour into him. You've been married five times. Now you're living with a man who is not your husband. Yep, you told me the truth. You're not married. The woman said, you must be a prophet. Nowadays, somebody can tell you things they couldn't have possibly known, and people will not be as open as this woman to say they're a prophet. And I had to repent a little of that because I, I know I went to some things recently, and people are calling out people's um, information and their address and all kinds of powerful things happened to Karen when we went to Morningstar recently and I was yay with it but I remember my my um haughty thought was well they already know that why don't you tell us something we need that we don't know but the truth is that gave people faith to listen to what God was doing and so I had to repent of that and I had to get free from comparing myself and being judgmental and ask God to rip that out of me. And boy, does it feel free to have that ripped out of me. I don't want to be critical. I don't want to be judgmental. I don't want to be haughty. I don't want any of those things that Satan wants to attach to me or what he would attach to you when you begin to walk out in the things of God or anything else. And how do you get rid of those things? You can't think them away, people. You have to ask Holy Spirit to get that out of your heart. And he will. So then she's listening. So tell me this. Now, what do you all think Jesus' personality must have been like 
for Jesus to just tell this woman how many times she's been married and how she's living with somebody in sin and he wasn't sugarcoating it. And then all of a sudden she wakes up. She doesn't get offended. And who are you to judge me? And you can't tell me this and the stuff that we would expect. But because Jesus was walking in love and true authority and Holy Spirit had set this meeting up, um, the woman's able to talk to him. And she's not feeling insecure about talking to him. So we need to really check our fake spirituality and get rid of it so that people in our families can talk to us, so people we talk to on the streets can talk to us, so people even in the church that God's trying to get into a, a deeper place in him can talk to us. This is really amazing if you look at Jesus here as an evangelist, right? Because he's being real. He's being who he is. He's not pretending he's not who he is. And some of you won't pretend be who you are in your families because you've been so criticized and beat down or because you were falsely judged or because you had haughtiness and all this stuff was working together. And then the Lord's like, you know, you have to be repent of what you need to repent of, but be, be true to who you are. So the woman says, so tell me this. Why do our fathers worship here on this nearby mountain? But your people, meaning the Jews, and so the Samaritans, you teach that Jerusalem is the place where we must worship, which is right. So now he's engaging in a real conversation with questions about spiritual issues that they have never agreed on, the Jews and the Samaritans. So she's bringing Jesus right into this conversation about, tell me, why do the people I look to and to the, the leaders in our Samaritan religious community say that we can worship God here on this mountain, but the Jews say we have to do it in Jerusalem? And she says, which is right? Jesus responds. I love how he says this. Believe me, dear woman. Now, when Herod asked Jesus something, he didn't respond. So why does he respond to this woman who's questioning him as a Jewish um, prophet? Because he knows, and he's led by Holy Spirit, but he knows she's sincere. She really wants to hear. So let me just say, as you evangelize, if somebody totally is not open to what you're saying, Holy Spirit will not have you get into an argument with them. He won't open it up for debate. Do you get what I'm saying? He's not trying to get you fighting everybody and divisive. But he, he, when he was amazed that this woman was asking him a question after what he just told her. Believe me, dear woman, and I think he meant that sincerely. He's like, he's, he's, following, he's like, he loves this woman. He wants this woman saved. He wants this woman not to go to hell. Believe me, dear woman. And, and I think that's powerful for what we need whenever we evangelize. It's not proving we're right. It's not proving who Jesus is. There's got to come that revelation like Jesus had that you don't want this person to go to hell for real. You've got to begin to see this person the way God sees this person, the way God made him. So I believe when Jesus is doing uh, this and everything else he's doing, he's seeing them the way the Father sees them. And that's something we need to pray. 
Believe me, dear woman, the time has come when you won't worship the Father on a mountain nor in Jerusalem, but in your heart. He's not answering her question, is he? Right? He's not saying, well, they were right and you were wrong. He did go on to say, your people don't really know the one they worship. He's going on to say, the Samaritans are not following the word of God, the old covenant. But we Jews, now he, he revealed himself as a Jew right now, right? He revealed himself as a Jew. We Jews worship out of our experience, for it's from the Jews that salvation is made available. So Jesus is not shy about saying, I've come to the Jews. I'm, I'm Jewish. I was born. My mom is Jewish. He also knew he was also, um, if you want to say, his father wasn't Jewish. So he could relate to her having um, parents where one was probably Jewish and one wasn't Jewish, which made her Samaritan. And, and he's being able to understand all this, and he's, and he's able to relate to her, but he recognizes that, that he represents the Jews. So he also didn't get into a lot of spiritual things she couldn't understand, right? And then he goes on to tell the main part. From here on, worshiping the Father will not be a matter of the right place, but having the right heart. And so when we're evangelizing, led by Holy Spirit, we're not going to overly be shocked about their past. We're not going to hold their past against them. We're not going to hold their wrong thinking against them. We're not going to hold that their spirituality is messed up, right? What did Jesus do? He went right from, he's not afraid to say what's true, okay? He's not afraid to say, look, if you want to see who's doing this right, the old way, look at the Jews. But God's doing something different. He's more concerned about your heart now. Not the legalism that the Jews followed. Not the Samaritans not caring about that legalism, making up their own. And he's pretty much stating it, though they were right. It's like when somebody comes, you know, um, from, a, from the Mormons or Jehovah Witness or anything else, and they're trying to say, or even Catholicism, and they're trying to say, you know, this is how um, we believe. This is, and Jesus never agrees with them. And we're never to agree with them that that was okay. And I think there's been too much mixing to try to tolerate everybody to bring us in agreement. I, I want the people who believe in the lies of Catholicism to get free. And I think they can find the true Jesus. I think some of them have found the true Jesus. I believe some of the priests and some of the nuns and those who spend a lot of time in the word, I believe many of them have encountered Jesus Christ. But their doctrine hasn't helped people encounter Jesus Christ. That's why Martin Luther had to break away from it. He had to break away from it to begin to bring the, the church that would once again begin to be restored out of the dark ages. So, um, so he goes on, he says, from here on, worshiping the Father will not be a matter of the right place, but with the right heart. For God is a spirit. He longs to have sincere worshipers who worship and adore him in the realm of the spirit and truth. Now she's get. this is like, whoa, what are we talking about? Okay, does everybody get 
that even the angels never realized that Holy Spirit was going to come and live inside of human beings except for Jesus? That was a surprise. All of a sudden, Jesus is telling a Samaritan woman at a well things that even his disciples weren't understanding, that the religious leaders in the church did not understand. How cool is Jesus? Seriously, talk about someone who was in flesh but totally yielded to God, not caring what they said about him, not caring how they did anything, totally knowing that God's in charge. How many would love to know that God's really in charge of your life? Really in charge of your life. If, if the end, as the end times come, if he wants you to be one of the martyrs who die uh, before, be, for righteousness sake, and you end up, which is awesome, a great honor, and you end up right there at the throne of God until this is all said and done, and oh my gosh, you go from, Standing for God in a horrific place of fear, and, and you get to see God if you're strong like Stephen, but then you go directly to the very throne room. You don't have to, you know, it's like you go right there. There's no go through this, this, and this like probably the rest of us have to. You don't hear of anybody else who gets to go directly into the throne room where they stay until God pours out his wrath. Does everybody get it? There's no greater place anywhere than in the throne room of the father there's no greater glory anywhere if you don't believe me go study how even the elders cannot stand up there people who've walked now thousands of years with god have been in heaven for thousands of years full of holy ghost knowing the word of god they cannot stand up there because of the presence of god it must be the wildest place. He starts to reveal something. They're all on thrones. They all fall on the floor. All of a sudden, these wild things we've never even heard or seen that roll this way and that way and this and that are with eyes all over, all over the throne room, and all that is real. And we all think we know so much, right? Like we all think we've been there, done that. We know. We don't know. I don't even think we've seen the glory in the church yet. I think we've seen some people had some authority or power and people fall out. I think we felt the presence of God. At least we have, right? But I don't think we're anywhere close to what God is bringing. Isn't that exciting? I'm praying when the worship team gets up in a few minutes and for however long that goes, that you won't want to leave. that you won't want to leave, that you would rather be in the presence of God, that God's going to come in in such a powerful way that you won't care about rushing out the door. If you do, that's fine. That's between you and God. But my prayer is that at some point, the presence of God comes so strong that we don't want, not just a few of us, but overall the people don't want the, the presence of God to lift. And I just believe we haven't had it that strong yet. And this isn't to make anybody stay long. The minute you start thinking you should leave, you should leave. Because honestly, then you won't be sitting there bored while God's trying to do something. And then if we all want to leave at the same time, then fine. I'm just saying we haven't tasted that yet. When we do, we're all going to be changed. He goes on, he says, For God is a spirit and he longs to have sincere worshipers, who worship and adore him in the realm of the spirit and truth. Now, this is another really good place to begin to talk to God. God, I want, I love the truth. I love your word. I get that when it's preached. But you know, I don't know that I've entered into that realm of the spirit much. I mean, I feel your presence once in a while. I fall down once in a while. I, but what is this about the realm of the spirit? What is that? 
I, if we're supposed to worship you in that and worship you in truth, then I need you to start to give me that living water and that revelation of what that's to be like and how I can have that all the time and, and how real that is, okay? Now, some of you might be saying the same thing. The woman said, this is all confusing. She goes, I don't get this spiritual part. I don't understand what you're talking about right now. This is like way, way over my head. I don't get it. But she said this, but I do know that the anointed one is coming. I love her response because her response is a hungry person who says, I don't know what you're talking about. Instead of criticizing it, trying to tear it apart, being a Pharisee, trying to see, well, Jesus couldn't possibly be from God. She's like, okay, you moved in the gift there. You knew this past about me. I believe you're real, but I don't know what you're talking about. But this I do know. She says, this I do know. The anointed one is coming, the true Messiah. Well, I think we're in a place right now in, in the body of Christ and even in the world where people are starting to say, you know what? I think Jesus is coming back. I mean, we got off to such wrong doctrine for a while about dominating the whole earth. People weren't even saying that. And now this great shaking of 2020 that's still going on, right? It's probably going on because I think we're in the end times. But all of a sudden, there, there came an agreement for the most part in the body of Christ that, oh my gosh, Christ is coming soon. So, and she says, now when he comes, he will tell us everything we need to know. Does anybody think that this may be why she's at that well and why she had this prayer and why she had this belief. And therefore, because she knew that the Messiah was coming and he would tell them everything. Isn't that cool that she believed that, that she stood on that when she didn't even know how to worship real. Their doctrine wasn't very good. Everything was messed up. But she had this deep believing that Jesus Christ, she didn't know his name, but the Yeshua was coming. The Messiah is coming and he will tell us everything. He'll tell us everything. And because of that, I believe that's why it was set up by Holy Spirit for her to be one of the most powerful evangelists and one of the first called evangelists. How amazing is God? How amazing is God? Basically, she would be somebody that we would say did not know. Did not know anything hardly, but she knew this, the anointed one's coming, the true Messiah. And when he comes, he will tell us everything we need to know. And here he is telling her everything she needs to know. So let me tell you what's in your heart and what's in your prayers. I guarantee you that there's no one in hell who had a heart like this woman who said, well, if, if when Jesus comes and when the Messiah comes, then he's going to tell us everything. Or if God, if heaven's real, God's going to show me this. So when we're evangelizing and led of God, quit trying to go after people that God doesn't even draw you to go after. Because if you will begin to go after people that God has already heard their prayers, they're already set up to receive, even if they seem like the furthest person who would know. It could be your neighbor. It could be somebody who was of a whole different culture. It could be, but see, Holy Spirit knew this. This isn't who most of us would probably have gone to, right? Jesus' sister, you don't, I love this. Jesus' sister, you don't have to wait any longer. 
The anointed one is here speaking with you. I am the one you're looking for. How many know this had to be a God set up? Here's this strange man talking to her who didn't even know she wasn't married at first. But then he tells her all this stuff about her. And all of a sudden, she, he, he's telling her these spiritual things. She's like, I don't get what you're saying. See, people get upset sometimes when I preach. They're like, well, you talk. I don't get what you're saying. It's okay. God does. It's okay. You'll catch up. God will show you. He'll teach you. But do you get that God knows what he's doing? Do you get that if you want to know truth, you will find truth no matter where you are on this planet? And if you don't want truth, you can be surrounded by it everywhere you are and close your eyes to it. And you will really stand before the Lord and have to give an account. Jesus says to her, you don't have to wait any longer. The anointed one is here speaking with you. I am the one you're looking for. This is kind of amazing. I haven't studied it out yet, but she has to be one of the first ones that he actually said he was the Messiah to. Maybe even before his disciples. I'd have to check out the timing and all that. But any way you look at it, it was very early in his ministry that he shared that with her. Isn't that amazing? And I believe it's because she was looking for him. She knew, where is this person who has the answers? When he comes, we'll know. At that moment, now, now if she was religious, she'd go, wait a minute. Mm -mm. It's got to be a Samaritan. No, my fathers are right. Their way of believing is right. I'm getting out of here. You shouldn't even be talking to me. There's so many places in this she could have missed him, right? There's so many places in this she could have missed him. At that moment, the disciples returned and were stunned to see Jesus speaking with a Samaritan woman. Those religious boys. I love this. Yet none of them dared to ask him why or what they were discussing. Now, this is kind of amazing if you think about it. Here's Jesus. Because I want you all to really see Jesus. Here's Jesus talking to a woman who was Samaritan, who, who thought they were the right ones, not the Jews. And he's breaking all the religious rules, right? And yet she's talking to him and she's open and, and she's asking him anything with no problem. And here's his disciples or they're coming. They're like, what is he doing talking to her? Uh, he, he shouldn't even be talking to a woman by himself, but he's talking to a Samaritan woman, you know, I don't know if they knew her reputation, but Jesus did, right? He has no business talking to her, but none of them said a word to him. Yet she asked all kinds of things. That's a pretty good question to go ask Holy Spirit. Why, why wouldn't they say something to Jesus? Maybe they'd been rebuked before. Maybe they knew enough to know, don't question what he's doing even when we don't understand it. You know, it'd be kind of neat to have been one of them. What, what a, um, you know, and I know Chosen, I, I don't watch it, but I know a lot of people watch Chosen and they try to get behind the scenes and all that. And that's cool. Everybody can decide how they think that should go. But I encourage you, especially if you watch Chosen or anything else, go and read those scriptures yourself and ask the Holy Spirit. Go read your, those scriptures yourself and ask the Holy Spirit. And he may show you, he may not show you, but always distinguish between what is in God's word that you know that you know and what is um, possibly fiction based on somebody else's thinking concerning what was happening. Because you don't want to become confused about what is scripture and what isn't scripture. 
And it's really sad if people watch Chosen and don't read the Word of God. There's something really wrong with believers who watch Chosen yet do not go and study the Word of God. Nothing about the Word of God is pure entertainment. It's really truth to set us free, but you don't want to get anything confused in that. And I, I, I'm totally cool about what God's doing, Chosen. I think it's an awesome evangelistic tool. I think it's powerful to get people in the Word. But I just want to say something's wrong with you, with your walk with God, if you hear anything and you don't go and check it out yourself. Like, you know, I want to know what did he say? What is it? Even with this, when I read different translations, I'll go back and see what the King James said and, and see what the actual words were and that kind of thing. Um, yet none of them dared to ask him why or what they were doing. Now listen to this. All at once the woman dropped her water jaw and ran to her village and told everyone. All of a sudden, she didn't even care about the water anymore. She totally forgot why she was really there. This woman had the fire of God hitting her. She's like, I'm not even going to finish this. They're probably like, what are you coming back here without the water? Because that was probably a lot to get that water. And I think it was a, a big deal back then. It is now too, if you live where you have to go to a well to get water. And she's so excited. So you kind of see these two things happening. Kind of look at this. Here's the guys who hang out with him so much questioning what's going on, but we better not say anything. They probably learned we're wrong, so we better just not say anything, which might be a good thing. And then here's this woman, you know, she sees these guys coming up, but she's so excited about, I just met the Messiah. I just met the Messiah, the one who knows everything. She's so excited. She leaves what she went there for, and she runs off. Kind of look at that picture. Here they come. They've been hanging out with them. They've seen miracles. They know everything. They just went to get some food. And here he is. They're judging him. What's he doing talking to her? Doesn't he know? He's got to know. He was, he was brought up with Mary and Joseph. He knows. Don't anybody say anything. He's, I'm sure he has a reason. Don't even say anything. And here's this woman running off. Forgot what she came for. It wasn't important anymore to go and tell everyone. It says, all at once, the woman dropped her water jar, ran off to her village and told everyone. How many know that's the kind of evangelism we need? We need to be so led by Holy Spirit, so full of his love, move in true who we are, revelations that we really know, say what we need. How many know us did they train you how to do this stuff? And, and it's cute and it might work some. But how many know as we go into an apostolic time in the world, the power of God being released, the revelation of Jesus being released, how many know the old wineskin is not going to compare? It's going to build up too, but it's not going to be able to take the place of what God's going to do. And almost every time, I'm not, I don't call myself an evangelist. I, I just really, um, I can't, I don't say things unless God shows me to say things for years. And so every time I open my mouth on the airplane or whatever, he starts telling me what to say. And, and almost every single time people get saved or people want to know, how do you know this? Or they want the book or they want this and that. And, and it's true. It's almost harder to share in the church where everybody thinks they know everything in the old wineskin than how hungry people are out there. And so we need to really shake religion and just tell what we know. Be authentic to who you are. If you know you don't understand deep truths, then don't try to preach deep truths. 
Just say, all I know is this. So here's this woman. And she says, come and meet a man at the well who told me everything I've ever done. Now, we don't know for sure if, she, if he did, but I have a feeling he told her a lot of things. I have a feeling that conversation, he covered some things. He probably healed some inner, some hurt areas. He probably set her free from some lies. You know what I'm saying? Because um, we know that one little tiny conversation we just saw couldn't have lasted more that part than a few minutes. But she says, he told me everything I've ever done. And she says, he could be the anointed one we've been waiting for. Hearing this, the people came streaming out of the village to go see Jesus. Now, this is a little strange because this woman probably had a lousy reputation. Right? So I have a feeling there had to be more in that conversation. I had a feeling she had to go and share what he said about her. And everybody's like, he knew that. He knew that. She's telling everybody that. We've been talking and whispering about that for years. Because she had to do something. Because remember, she couldn't have Holy Spirit yet, right? Right? She couldn't have Holy Spirit yet. So she had to go and tell them something that he said are dead. That made them curious. Right? Even with her terrible reputation. Even with her terrible reputation. And so they wanted to find out who is this man who told her all that. And here she's so changed and she's telling everybody all her junk. And she's not even, you know, she's not even trying to hide it or pretend we don't know it. And yet she's so excited about this one. What are we talking about again? Be real. Be real. She just went back and she was real. She didn't go back acting all hyper-spiritual now. She didn't go back trying to hide all her past. She just went and said, you wouldn't believe what he told me. And that's what it's like. You wouldn't believe who I used to be that this Jesus knew about and how he's come into my life and he's changed me. You wouldn't believe how he showed me this and changed me here. See, people know, your family knows who you were. So for you to pretend that's not who you were is not going to impress them. But for you to then go and say, I know God changes. I know I used to, sorry, I used to be abusive to you. Sorry, I wasn't faithful or whatever it was. Sorry, this happened. You know, I'm sorry how my bad parenting hurt you. Or I'm sorry how I was part of the issue with this relationship. I'm so sorry. God showed me that and I've repented. I want you to forgive me. That's kind of what this lady did. She went and said, I know he showed me that I slept around and that I had all these men and I was living with somebody I wasn't married to. And he probably, he was like, and I'm sorry that I, you know, slept with your ex-husband or your husband. And I'm sorry I did this. And it, it's so bad. And she had to be so excited <laughs> and to tell them all that she's done. And they had to be like, wow, what happened to her? Why is she so free from who she was and talking about this Jesus as if he's the Messiah. I love this about these people. They didn't say, why would he talk to her? But that's what the disciples did. So let me say, as God is drawing people to himself, and I, I do believe he's gone and he's invited those, but they're too busy, they're getting married. I think he's really gone to the fancy people. I really believe the apostolic move that's about to be outpoured is to people who are going to be much more impressed 
by you being real. Much more impressed by you just being you and saying what's really happening and saying who he really is and how good he really is. All right. Hearing this, the people came streaming out of the village to go see Jesus. Wow. Then the disciples begin to insist that Jesus eat some of the food they brought back from the village saying, teacher, you must eat something. I love this. You could just see the picture. They're like, wait, we went all the way to town to do this. You talk to some bimbo. We don't know why you're talking to her. And here, just eat this. Instead, all of a sudden, people are streaming to where they're at. All of a sudden, like, where's all these people coming from? I don't know how long it took her to get back to her village, but somewhere in here, they're having this natural conversation with Jesus. Jesus is full of the Spirit of God. Jesus has to be like, wow, that was awesome. He knows what just happened. He knows she's going. He, he, just, he just ordained his first um, evangelist or one of his evangelists, right? And here she is, the least likely. And um, they're sitting here trying to get into the natural. And Jesus says, don't worry about me. I've eaten a meal you don't even know about. What are you saying? He does not live for the flesh. He doesn't live to get food. He doesn't live to get natural water. He doesn't, his life is not based on what he's wearing and where he's going. He literally lives to do the will of the Father. And he loves it. And when you die to self and you die to living for the flesh and you let needing that second coffee go right now and you enter into, okay, God, I want you. I want to be yours. I want to know you. I want the living water. And you decide to die to that flesh. Then you're going to have, you're going to be able to smile like Jesus and say, you, you don't know. <laughs> I have food you don't know about. I don't live to eat. I don't live to have fun. I don't live to see what fun thing I can do next. Why? Because doing what God wants is more awesome, exciting, and wonderful, and fulfilling than anything. I would much rather go on the mission field than to Hawaii. And if I go to Hawaii, I'm still on the mission field. I mean that. I don't do it as an obligation or something. I love preaching the gospel. I love it when the Holy Spirit comes and begins to minister to hurt people and people start to want him and get saved and hear truth. See, you got to get past this. Oh, that's so good what you do. No, it's not about what I do. It's about what he does. And what is it he wants to do through you? What is it he wants to do through you wherever you are in your neighborhood, in your family? It's about getting free from you and letting Holy Spirit do what he wants. So Jesus says, don't worry about me. I've eaten a meal you don't know about. And they're puzzled by this. The disciples begin to discuss among themselves. Did somebody already bring him food? Where did he get this meal? This shows the constant pull back into the flesh. This constant pull of thinking flesh. Constant pull of thinking flesh. Your flesh is your worst enemy. Then Jesus spoke up and said, my food is to be doing the will of him who sent me and to bring it to completion. And, and I'll be honest with you, I'm not young anymore. And honest to goodness, my desire is to the, do the will of the Father. That's my only desire, do the will of the Father and bring it to completion. 
And nobody is too old or has missed God too much to not be able to ask God to make that real. There's nobody in here who cannot lay down everything. You don't have to go through a horrific trial. Thank God. You can just read his word and say, you know what? I want the will of the Father to come to completion. Whatever that looks like, whatever that looks like, whether this gets big, whether we have to move to a bigger building, whether I'm traveling all the time, whether you know, I'm writing books after books after books, whatever it looks like, that's all I want. I'm not saying what that is. I'm not saying what that has to include. I'm not saying how big or how little in the eyes of man. I don't know. I only want, for real, 100%, I promise you this, I only want, to the best that I can know, I only want the will of the Father, and I want to complete what he has for me to do. I mean that with all my heart. If that means I get persecuted and misunderstood and talked bad about, then so be it. If it means I die in serving him, then so be it. And I'm telling you, as we enter into these last days, you had better recognize living for the flesh, it's going to be shaken. It's going to be taken from us possibly. Definitely if it's our idol. Now listen to this. As the crowds emerge from the village, wow, they're still having this conversation. This woman impacted them so powerfully because <laughs> she just flipped over Jesus being real. Can I tell you about real evangelism? Let people know how real he is to you, but you know what? If he's not real to you, you can't fake it. You can't fake it. You can't talk me out of him. You can, you can come up with every conversation, everything. I know him. I just know him. I actually know him better than I know anybody else in the world. I know him. And you're not going to stop me from knowing him. I'm not going to pretend I don't know him. Do I want to know him more? Yes. Do I want more of him? Yes. Am I going to stay hungry for him? Yes. I don't remember ever not being hungry for him since I really gave myself to him. It, it's almost, it, it's just hilarious that anyone would even think they could convince me he's not real because he's that real. But if he's not, not that real to you, it's fake if you try to say that. So then just be where you're at. Say, I don't know, but, you know, I, I, I know he did this. I'm believing for this. Now he says, to, he says to his disciples, why would you say the harvest is another four months away? Look at all these people coming. Now is harvest time. For their hearts are like vast fields of ripened grain, ready for spiritual harvest. And everyone who reaps these souls for eternal life will receive a reward. And those who plant spiritual seeds and those who reap the harvest will celebrate together with great joy. And this confirms one sows a seed, another reaps the harvest. I have sent you out to the harvest field that you haven't planted, where many others have labored long and hard before you. And now you're privileged to profit from their labors and reap the harvest. So there were many from Samaritan village who became believers in Jesus Christ because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I did. And they begged Jesus to stay with them, so he stayed for two days, resulting in many more coming to faith in him because of his teachings. Now, this is powerful. She went out and shared what God did supernaturally. That was the power of true evangelism, not something you've learned to repeat off of a card, not something to try to debate and convince people. He, he went 
with the gift of knowledge. That's a gift of knowledge. And he told her things about him. So I would begin to ask Holy Spirit to have a gift of knowledge. Yes, it's a little bit takes faith to say something to somebody that you don't know for sure it's right. But when you begin to trust God that your heart is to go into the harvest field, your heart is to see people saved, your heart is to bring people to Christ, that's the faith part of this. That's where your brain has to get out of the way. That's like, okay, Lord, show me. Show me what to say. Now, did he already know all that when he said, bring me your husband? Maybe he did. Maybe, you know, maybe it's kind of like to see, let's see what she says here. Because a lot of time, I'm not saying that's a fact. I'm just saying, I know with me, God will give me, I'll, I'll kind of test the waters a little bit. And then all of a sudden they'll say something and then the Holy Spirit jumps on it. And all of a sudden he jumps on it. And all of a sudden I start to see their kids or know about their kids or know where they were hurt or know where they were abused or know what happened. And then I roll with it. Why? Because I wasn't trying to invent anything. I wasn't trying to make anything up. So Jesus could have just been talking to her. So bring your husband. Cause he's like, okay, we're at the well here. This probably doesn't look right. I'd like to speak with your husband too. And that could have been really what he was thinking. And then all of a sudden she goes, um, I'm not married. And then boom, Holy Spirit shows him her whole story. That's how it usually works. He doesn't usually show you ahead of time. And then Jesus didn't say, ooh, she's not married. I shouldn't be talking to her here, which is what the disciples would want her to do, right? But he just flowed with the Holy Spirit. I believe when we really look at Jesus' life, you're going to see he's showing us what this is like. He's showing us how this is. And he's showing us you have to step out in faith. Now, this is an important part. He didn't come back and prove himself with tons of signs and wonders, according to this. It was by his teaching. Let's say you go out and the Lord starts to, you say, Lord, I want to be that kind of evangelist. I want to know. And you go and you share about you and you begin to see things God shows you. Then bring them back here. And then the Lord's going to get them, win them by the teaching. He's going to win them by the teaching. They don't have to come here, but do you understand what I'm saying? They brought, she brought them to a place where there really was someone who knew the word of God and was teaching. And I believe that's why we have teachers in the body of Christ. I believe that's why, that's why I think everybody just saying we're not supposed to come together. That's not, that's lies. You know, bring people to hear the teaching. Don't try to teach if you don't know how to teach. Don't try to repeat what you don't understand yet, or you're not anointed to do. Do you understand what I'm saying? Get it? But she just told them what God did for her. And then she brought them to a place where they could hear the teaching. The Samaritan said to the woman, this is powerful. We no longer believe just because of what you told us, but now we've heard him for ourselves. We're convinced that he really is the true savior of the world. So people aren't going to get saved by your testimony. They're going to get curious by your testimony. And it's only when they get in true teaching where Jesus is lifted up and the power of God is revealed, but there's an authority to preach that they're going to believe the message of the cross. Do you understand that? And so begin to know, okay, I can do this. Led by Holy Spirit, I can do this. You know, I can tell my story. And, and then when you get to a place where you're really flowing like Jesus, as he, think of it, this woman brought all the people and she couldn't preach yet. She couldn't teach yet. All she knew is this is what happened for me. But then she went 
And the people said, well, let us go see for ourselves. Let us see for ourselves if that's happening at that church. Let us see for ourselves if, if they really move in these gifts. Let us see for ourselves how they preach the gospel. Do you understand? And then as you mature and grow in your relationship with God, you can go out and evangelize like Jesus did. You can go out with that anointing to really know all of a sudden you know something. All of a sudden God's showing you something. All of a sudden people hear you and they begin to cry and they begin to say, how did you know that? This happens to me all the time. I'll be sitting by somebody on the plane and I don't talk to everybody by the plane. I don't try to make this happen. And the Lord's like, tell, tell them, ask them how, how many children they have. So I ask or something. Then I find, and all of a sudden I'm sharing and I find out that they just went through a tragedy and the Lord had me sit there and they're crying and they want the book and everywhere. People are like, could you send me a copy of your book, which I got to get some more books out. But the bottom line is the woman at the well was a brand new believer, Right. And God used her to save a whole village. And that's how God evangelizes in the world. Now, if you love this teaching, then you better say you love this teaching. Then we want you to check out our web at beautyforashes.org. There is so much teaching there. And there's a resource uh, library there. And also check out my Facebook page at Cindy Foster beauty for ashes ministry we'd love you to partner with us and come along for the ride into the apostolic god bless you 